what private and secret worship actually are. Um, what, what do they consist of, since that is our duty, right? You must know what it is before you can seek to do it properly. And for that, we looked at the directory for private worship that was put out by the Westminster Assembly as a kind of template or a guide for this kind of a discussion. We began, as the directory begins, with a consideration of secret worship first. We saw that secret worship is really just the worship of the individual. And in fact, it's more or less the same thing in many ways with what we would call a quiet time today or devotions. The Puritans, and I would say the um, maybe all of Christians back then, I don't know, perhaps even those of Rome would have called it secret worship as well. We considered that the term secret worship probably comes from the words of Christ in passages like Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Next, we saw that with secret worship, according at least to the directory, it's primarily a matter of prayer and meditation. This is very much what we see in the Word of God. Um, when we hear of someone spending time alone to get away to commune with God, or just an individual worshiping, it's very much often a matter of prayer um, and meditation, perhaps meditating as you pray or, or meditating upon the Word of God as well. We saw that not only is this a duty as well, but, but more than that for the Christian, secret worship is one of the great means of walking in communion with God. It's one of the great means by which we live life with Him. Um, I remember hearing about Princess Diana before she was married uh, to Charles that she had only like spent a handful of time times with him uh, before the marriage actually took place, right? Um, they didn't see each other. He would be gone for long stretches of time. And then they were married, and it was kind of like, well, you'll have the rest of your lives for that, right? Um, well, spending time, though, is one of the chief means by which we get to know one another and spend time and live life with one another. And in many ways, for the Christian, for anybody, um, that, that really begins. The most basic building block is in secret worship. Lastly, we considered that secret worship is the duty of all men, women, boys, and girls. It's not just for Christians. Rather, it's for creatures, human creatures. It is the natural worship due to God. And again, as I've said so many times before, no unbeliever can, can offer acceptable worship to God. It is utterly corrupted and sinful because it does not proceed for faith, from faith, and it, does not, it is not done for the glory of God, and yet the neglect of it is even more sinful. Well, with that, we began to consider what the directory has to say, uh, or we were about to uh, consider what the directory has to say about private family worship. Um, I, I ended, before we did that, with the very last part of the first paragraph of the directory, which says, Therefore it becomes not only pastors within their several charges to press persons of all sorts to perform this duty morning and evening and at other occasions, but it is also incumbent to the head of every family to have a care that both themselves and all within their charge be daily diligent therein. So fathers, even mothers, not only is it incumbent upon you to yourself have secret worship daily, 
but also it says to urge that upon those, as it says, within your charge, your children. You are to exhort them and encourage them and instruct them in secret worship, even though they are not yet believers yet. It is still their duty. It is also a great means by which they learn to cry out to God, to give him thanks as their creator, to read the scriptures. And it's a great way of laying a foundation in their hearts for coming to Christ. Well, after I said that, I posed to you guys a riddle. Um, (laughs) I thought Jason was going to get it. He really let me down. I was like really surprised. But I, I said this. This was my riddle, and I'll see if anyone has figured it out yet. I said, what's the connection between Metallica, the particular Baptists, and secret worship? Metallica, the particular Baptists, and secret worship. Any guesses? Okay. uh, Maybe. No, that's not the one I'm looking for. Okay, here's the connection. Who here has ever listened to Metallica's Enter Sandman? Enter Sandman, right? Anyone? Yeah. <laughs> Where I'm from, <laughs> there's a radio station, and at 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night, it was called Mandatory Metallica, and the program would start and say, it's 10 o'clock, the wussies are asleep, it's time for Mandatory Metallica. <laughs> but in that song by Metallica... There is actually a little kid praying, and it's quite a famous prayer. It goes like this. In fact, you could probably say it with me. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to to take. Who knows the origin of that prayer? Anybody? Anybody? As far as I can tell, it is originally from a very famous little book, uh, famous in American history, called The New England Primer. The New England Primer. Who's ever heard of The New England Primer? It was like the textbook for early English America um, until for like at least 100 years or or something like that. The New England Primer was part first reader part catechism. As far as a first reader, it, would, it had all the letters of the alphabet in it. It taught children how to read uh, syllables and then how to put them together. It taught them the spelling of names. It even had the multiplication tables in it as well, I believe. It was like for the most basic kind of schooling. As part catechism, later versions of it actually had the Westminster Shorter Catechism attached to it, but it was also full of all kinds of rhymes for children, on the one hand to practice reading, of course, but really more than that, to learn about God, the moral law, sin, and the gospel. For example, one little rhyme goes like this, and this is like, this is like all of the kinds of stuff you find there. Good children must fear God all day, love Christ always, parents obey, in secret pray, no false things say, mind little play, by no sin stray, make no delay in doing good. Right? 
learning about all these things about your duty to God and all that, and it's, it's in rhymes. <clears throat> there are, however, in it forms, what we call set forms of prayer for children to learn. A set form of prayer is just that. It's like something, if you ever look at uh, the, the Book of Common Prayer, it's full of set forms of prayer um, that, that you can read. Um, and the New England Primer was no different, and it was really meant not for something that children depend on their whole life, um, just as you don't want them, an adult, to be like, okay, what should I do today? God, help me to fear God all day, love Christ all way. Like, you don't want them to depend on that, but it's a way of instilling things and teaching them how to pray, right? In many ways, it's like a form of catechism, but for prayer. Well, that famous prayer, which Metallica thought to put in their song, it's not in the first editions of the New England Primer, but seems to have been incorporated later on. Its purpose, though, is to teach children how they ought to pray so that they can perform their duty in secret worship. There are other prayers in it as well. There are pray, prayers to say before eating a meal. For example, Bless me, O Lord, and let my food strengthen me to serve thee for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Or, I desire to thank God who gives me food to eat every day of my life. Amen. Or lastly, What's right and good now show me, Lord, and lead me by thy grace and word. Thus shall I be a child of God and love and fear thy hand and rod. Notice it rhymes, but it's also teaching them how to pray and cry out to God to give thanks for meals, um, to ask that God would teach them and, and enable them to obey. Furthermore, there are all kinds of exhortations for children to secret worship. In fact, we just read one before. Good children must fear God all day, love Christ always, parents obey, in secret pray. Children were taught from a very young age, it's your duty, whether you're saved or not, that, that wasn't, you, you can't offer acceptable worship, you are to seek God in secret worship. There's also another one, <clears throat> when you wake up in the morning, uh, this is actually uh, just a rhyme, it's not a prayer, but listen to what it says. First in the morning when thou dost awake, to God for his grace thy petition make. Some heavenly petition use daily to say that the God of heaven may bless thee always. In fact, over and over again, the lesson of the New England primer is that just because you're a child, that doesn't mean you are exempt from seeking God. In fact, while it might seem very grim to us today, the primer discusses death and even the death of other children to exhort them to seek the Lord in their youth to not wait because even children die. And in that day, that was very much more a reality than it is for us today. Um, and not even children, but just adults. Listen to what one such rhyme says. You're like, whoa, that's hardcore. But um, <clears throat> this is just something they try to teach their children. It says, in the burying place, I may see graves shorter there than I. From death's arrest, no age is free. Young children too must die. My God, may such an awful sight awakening be to me. Oh, that by early grace I might for death prepared be. So in many ways, it was, 
The way they train their children is, is like Ecclesiastes, like kids. This is life. The, the whole idea, not only was there like no idea of like, you know, a teenager, that kind of time when you're putting off life, even childhood, it was, and they allowed for children to pray, but it was also like, but don't just be a child, like seek God now, you could die. They very much impressed them, that upon them. Well, so far we've seen the connection between Metallica and secret worship. You guys missed a lot, by the way, you were like, what the heck? Um, but what's the connection to the particular Baptists with all this? How is that connected? Well, here I have to admit the connection is somewhat tenuous. It has to do with the author of the New England Primer, a man named Benjamin Harris. He was really a publisher by trade. Um, he is often said in many sources today to have been a particular Baptist, but the evidence for this is really scant and only circumstantial. There's no smoking gun. He may have been related to a man named John Harris, who was a publisher and a particular Baptist. Furthermore, Benjamin Harris seems to have known a lot of Baptists. He published several works by Benjamin Keach and John Bunyan. <clears throat> and I think for that reason, uh, people have lumped him in with them, but there's not a lot of solid evidence he was a particular Baptist, though I guess he may have been. Harris moved to Boston in the late 1600s. He started a coffee house, perhaps the first coffee house in New England, called the London Coffee House. He started a newspaper, which was, however, quickly shut down because he didn't have a license to do so by the magistrate. However, his great achievement, for which he is known really for all time, is publishing what would become known as the New England Primer. It was originally had it originally had another title, though. There were really early versions of it that you can see some similarities, but it's kind of a little bit different. It was titled The Protestant Tutor. The Protestant Tutor. The Protestant Tutor also has set forms of prayer to teach children. There is a prayer for children in the morning. <clears throat> it says, O Lord God, thou art the Father of heaven and earth, and the Father of all mercies, by whom alone I live, move, and have my being who tookest me out of my mother's womb and ever since has preserved me to this day. Blessed be thy name. I bless, bless thee that thou hast preserved me this night and that thou hast brought me safe to the beginning of another day. I beseech thee, protect me this day that I fall not into sin and keep me safe from the temptations of Satan. Bless my parents, friends, acquaintances, Defend our sovereign Lord the King, thy church, and the true Protestant religion from popery and idolatry, and grant that when this mortal life is ended, I may live and reign with thee forever in glory. Amen. A very full prayer. It's giving thanks. Um, it's, it's asking for prayer not to fall into temptation. Uh, it's asking for blessings for family. Um, it's asking for eternal life and seeking the Lord. It's asking for the blessing on the king. Very, very full prayer. There's also a prayer for the evening. And in this, I think you may be able to hear some early hints of what would later become that prayer that Metallica uses. It's titled, A Prayer for Children in the Evening. It says, Holy and glorious Lord God, I, thy poor child, prostrate myself before thy blessed majesty this evening, humbly beseeching thee for Jesus' sake to pardon all my sins and iniquities, 
Bless my parents and their bodies and souls. Instruct them, O Lord, that they may instruct me in thy true religion, that I may not be ensnared with the idolatry and false doctrines of popery. And then it says this, Be with me this night in my laying down. Let me sleep in thy fear, that whether sleeping or waking, living or dying, I may be always thine through Jesus Christ, my Savior and Lord. Amen. So if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. You can see how perhaps um, that other one developed later on. Now, why am I, I sharing all of this with you? It's not just for historical fun, as much fun as I have in researching, writing, and telling you all these things. It's to show you something of how the Puritans and even the Reformed Baptists trained their children and raised them up in godliness. Books like these, the New England Primer, the Protestant Tutor, were just several of a large, well, maybe not large, but a good genre of early children's literature, and they all kind of have the same elements to them. There's typically an alphabet. There's demonstrations of the pronunciations of small words. There are pithy little rhymes for children to learn. There are what we can refer to later as the big three. What are the big three that you ought to teach your children, according to the Puritans? Just the Reformed. What are the big three? Come on. The Lord's Prayer, the Ten Commandments, and the Apostles' Creed. They Almost all of them have those. And in fact, if you look um, at, at just catechisms, if you look at the Baptist Catechism... It has the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments, and then the uh, Heidelberg Catechism has those, and I think it has those, and it also has um, the Apostles' Creed in it as well, which it explains, right? Those are the big three. Typically, um, there are, in many cases, set forms of prayer as well. And like I said, these, these are meant to really catechize children in how they ought to pray and seek the Lord in secret worship, and sometimes there would often be many accounts. I thought this would, this would be really cool if someone did a version, a version of this today. There would be many accounts of little children coming to faith from a young age as well, again, to encourage children. You can, you can be saved now. There are children like you who get saved as well. The Baptists were by no means sluggish in this department. Uh, I'm sure the, you know, Pado-Baptists sometimes speak as though we just we throw our children in a closet and lock them in there and give them scraps occasionally. We never train them in the ways of the Lord or anything. Um, but historically, that's not been the case at all. Um, the Baptists didn't feel like they had to be a, a pedo-baptist in order to catechize and instruct their children to pray or to teach them in the gospel. It was simply a part of natural religion. It was the duty of all men, women, and boys. Men, women, boys, and girls. For example, Benjamin Keach wrote a book called Instruction for Children. At other times, it's called The Child's Instructor. It actually got him arrested and put into the pillory, which is like the stocks where your hands and people can throw things at you um, because it had credo-baptist beliefs in it. And yet, it's for children. It's very similar to the New England Primer or the Protestant Tutor. It has the letters of the alphabet, multiplication tables. It teaches children how to read Roman numerals. It even goes so far as to show them 
uh, how to write a general bill of sale, um, things like that you would maybe have to do if your mother said, I want you to go to the store, go to the whatever, New England Puritan store and get some corn or something. Well, you'd have to know, how do you write a bill of sale? It teaches you little things like that. It has a very good catechism in it. It's actually very good. One is for little ones, children, and one is more like youths, like preteen but not quite children. In many ways, it's also just as much a help to teach parents how to catechize as well as it is for the children because it's a dialogue between a father and a son. Um, it even has kind of funny things that you could totally imagine. It's very like things don't change <laughs> with little kids and teaching them about the Lord. It's like, what is God? Or what, do you, what is God like? It's like, uh, is he not like an old man in the sky? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, they probably, a lot, of, you know, a lot of little kids think that, right? He also has many good rhymes, many of which are, again, calls uh, to worship the Lord in secret every day. For children, I really like one of them. I'd like to read it to you very quickly. Um, some, some parts of it are funny, but it's just very good. <clears throat> when in the morning you do rise, lift up to God your hands and eyes, and praise his name who did all night keep thee in safety to the light. Of the morning also pray that God would keep thee all the day from those great dangers which befall oft times on young, on great and small, and pray to God his grace to give in his blessed fear all day to live and not to sin and him offend who doth to thee all blessings send. There's another one. It, it keeps going. This is where I laughed. Um, it's, just, it's just funny how things don't change. And when downstairs, son, thou dost go, salute thy parents, brothers too, and thy dear sisters, let them see how to behave themselves by thee. Then wash thy hands and thy head comb. Keep clean thy clothes abroad and at home. A chapter read in the next place with a sweet voice and heavenly grace. And when to prayer thy parents go down on thy knees, join with them too in those good prayers which they do make and by them good example take. When at the table thy parents sit, what they command, see thou do it, whether to sit or otherwise, to wait on them until they rise. Like, even then you're like, please just go sit down silently until I'm awake, right? Kids wake up early. Let not thy tongue at table walk, a child's unwise to chat and talk. Stare in the face of none, be sure. Good parents cannot that endure. I don't know if you guys, Gloria and Reuben, say this. But Annika's family, if someone's staring, they say, you're being a bubble. You guys ever say that? Like, oh, don't be a bubble. Like little kids, Carlos will just stare at someone, like, and, like looking at them, and he has no shame to turn. You're like, stop being a weirdo and stop staring at people, right? Stare in the face of none, be sure. Good parents cannot that endure. Wouldst thou be virtuous while thou art young? Then learn to bridle well thy tongue. One thing to consider with these rhymes is that although they are not technically a part of secret worship, yet they often serve to reinforce and enjoin secret worship. More than that, they were also something for children to read and to meditate on. 
As I've said, there were often accounts for children to read of other children coming to faith at a very young age. All of this was really just to get kids reading, thinking, imbibing as much truth as possible from a young age. For example, John Bunyan wrote several books for children with rhymes. And there's just all poetry, and some of them are funny. They often have some kind of a little message in them. Henry Jesse and Abraham Cheer, perhaps you've heard of them. Uh, they were like open communion Baptists. They put together a book titled A Looking Glass for Children. It has many accounts of children coming to faith uh, from a young age. That's the part from Henry Jesse. And then the part from Abraham Cheer, who was another Baptist pastor, wrote a bunch of poems and rhymes to children, many of them being written from him from prison to young children he knew such as his children or his nephew. It'll say a poem to my cousin. Um, and, and it's really, again, to just any means you can to get children reading, thinking about the gospel, all of those avenues they used. Now, I tell you all this, and we'll get back to Keech's book in a moment. I tell you all this to show generally how our forebears and the Puritans sought to train up their children. They had family worship, but they also trained their own children to perform secret worship on their own. Have you taught your children not only that they need to be seeking the Lord on their own, but have you taught them how to do it? Have you taught them how to pray? Of course, the greatest example of, of how we learn to pray is probably by hearing the prayers of our parents, right? And yet it's also helpful to come and say, let's talk about what prayer is. How do we pray? And encourage them, you need to, to pray all day. Pray for God's help. Um, at the end of the day, give thanks to God, right? How, how are you doing in that department? Sometimes I think, we think, well, I do family worship, but maybe they're not believers yet, right? But no, it, even then, it's, if they're creatures of God, encourage them to do those things. Furthermore, they, they didn't stop there. They didn't just have family worship and train their children to do their own secret worship. They used all kinds of means and methods through books, song, ways that are memorable to steep their children in the truth. I think from that, we can ask ourselves, what are the ways that we today can do that for our own children? Of course, family worship, but training them in secret worship. And in this way, um, I think, at least for little ones, set forms of prayer are okay um, to teach them how to pray, and if, they're, if they rhyme, even better, right? But there's all kinds of children's resources out there, many, many good ones. Go to Reformation Heritage books. Go to Solid Ground books. There's so much for kids to read. Many of it's very, very entertaining. If they have a reading assignment for school, give them something that will teach them to read, but also instruct them in the truth. Hit two birds with one stone. If you read them a bedtime story, there's so many biblical, allegorical, historical stories you could read to them. If they like to learn songs, teach them other songs. There are kids' songs. Uh, Isaac Watts wrote a famous little book uh, meant to have little simple rhymes and simple tunes in it for children, and it was so good, it's actually still in print today buy a copy of it. Use every and all means to teach your children about the truth. Well, back to Keech's book. 
he actually has a whole section on teaching children how to pray. Now, here I disagree with Keech a little bit slightly. He does not approve of set forms of prayers for children. Um, that was very much a Puritan thing in general for adults, right? Um, that's why they really rejected the Book of Common Prayer. They would say, yes, these are good prayers, but it's like, no, we don't have to, like, just pray. There's no really set form of prayer in the Scriptures other than the Lord's Prayer, so just pray, right? So he, he doesn't approve of set forms of prayers for little ones, um, although we'll see later he does actually have some in his book. So you're like, what? But um, I would argue set forms of prayers are fine. In many ways, it's just like a catechism for teaching your, chil- your child how to pray. Um, yes, when the child is praying a set form of prayer, they may not fully understand it. They may not even know the, what the words mean yet, just like they don't know, you know, we say to Carlos, what is a covenant? He says, a binding committed, a binding commitment, right? He has no idea what he's talking about, but he says it. But Lord willing, one day he will. And then Lord willing, one day more than that, he'll understand the deeper meanings, And right? You, you kind of start like that. So I think in that sense, a set form of prayers for children is fine. Other than that, though, what Keech says is very good. Listen to what he says. What is prayer? Answer. Prayer is the pouring forth of the desires of the soul to Almighty God, or a humble, humble asking Him, asking of God such things as we need. Next, what rule hath God given to direct His people in prayer? Answer, the whole word of God is of use to direct us in prayer, but the special rule is that form of prayer which Jesus Christ taught to His disciples, namely the Lord's Prayer. Now, here's an interesting thing. You're going to say, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to teach my children how to pray, but they're not believers yet, and so how can they say certain things in the Lord's Prayer if they're not believers yet? Um, Keech addresses that in a sense. Uh, Actually, one of the brothers was teaching catechism not too long ago and was starting the Lord's Prayer and had the same question because many of it, you know, our Father, um, Father, when Jesus is using that, is in the sense of our Redeemer Father, right? And for children who are not yet believers, um, they can't truly call Him Father in that sense yet, right? So how can they pray the Lord's Prayer? Well, Keech says, May all persons, sinners as well as saints, use those words in the Lord's Prayer or prayer or pray so as Christ taught His disciples. Answer, no, verily ungodly and sinners ought not so to pray. Why so? Because they cannot go to God as to a father. They may pray to him as a merciful creator, but not as to a father because they are not his children, right? So there may be a sense in which you're still dealing with that as you explain those things to your children. And in many ways, what are you, what are you doing? You're confronting their duty, their need to worship God, but also the fact that they are in sin and they can only call on him as merciful creator, right then you're already kind of, you're addressing sin, right? He continues though, must children pray to God? Yea, they and all others by all means ought to pray, for prayer is a branch of natural religion. So we've seen in chapter 22. 
It's something you are called to do by virtue of being a creature. You ought to pray. It doesn't matter if, if you're not a believer yet. Question, what or ought parents to teach their children a form of prayer? Answer, parents ought to give directions to their children how they should pray and what they should pray for and exhort them to pray. But we do not read in Scripture that any of God's servants taught their children a form of prayer. Now, I say, yeah, that's true, but the catechism questions and answers also aren't in Scripture too. It's your distilling truth. So with that, I disagree with it, all right? It, it is interesting, though, as I said, you're like, what do you, what do you mean by this, Keech? Um, there are set forms of prayers at the very end as far as meals are concerned. Perhaps he just intended them as examples, um, or perhaps he means, you know, it's fine at meals but not in secret worship. I couldn't really make sense of this. But he does have prayers, and interestingly, there are six of them, uh, which, if you think about it, makes for one prayer before and after each of the three meals of the day right? And that's what they are. It's a prayer before and after food. Um, he says, uh, I didn't include them, but he goes on, answer, parents ought to give directions to their children how they should pray, what they should pray for, and exhort them to pray. Again, parents, consider probably the best way you're going to teach your children how to pray is by your own prayers, uh, remember the words to Keech's rhyme for children. And when to prayer thy parents go down on thy knees, join with them too in those good prayers which they do make and by them good example take. Parents, if your prayers are quick, somewhat mindless, somewhat repetitive, no thanksgiving, no adoration, no confession of sin, just the asking of things, and even that, just the most pressing basic matters, not asking for spiritual things, that's how your children will learn how to pray. They will learn to pray the most about prayers from your own prayers. If that's how you pray. Your children will have very, very shallow prayers. It will be done very mindlessly. It will just be something they do by rote. Nevertheless, aside from our own examples, we ought, as Keats says, talk to our children about how to pray. What are the parts of prayer? How to give thanks? How to give God adoration? How to confess sins? Though we confess our sins to our Heavenly Father, yet even if they're not yet believers, they still ought to confess sins to their God and pray for salvation and grace. Teach them how to pray um, their supplications to God. There are many good books that teach us how to do that. I saw one I thought about getting for Carlos. It's out of stock right now. But it's titled, Little Hands Learning to Pray. It goes through all four of those parts of prayer, adoration, thanksgiving, confession, supplication. There's all kinds of good resources. Teach your children how to pray. Keech explains, question, what kind of directions are necessary for parents to give their children upon this account? Answer, they ought to command them to cry to the real and merciful God in a humble and reverent manner to show them their lost and undone condition without Christ and to give them wisdom and heavenly grace to renew his image in them lost by the fall of Adam and to bestow these all and all other good things upon them for Christ's sake. Teach your children now 
how to cry out to God. Remind them, it is their duty. It is their duty to do so every day. It doesn't matter that they're a little kid. It doesn't matter that they're not a believer. It's their duty. But train them up. Give them the resources. Show them how. Talk to them about these things. Lastly, get your children in the habit of reading Scripture as soon as they are old enough. Even before they can, be, they can read Scripture, which can be difficult for a child, get them to read something biblical. Whatever level they are of a reader, make it some kind of part of a daily reading, uh, part of their daily meditation for God. Have them memorize their catechism. We'll talk about catechizing more when we cover family worship, but don't let the only time that they read something spiritual be in family worship or just during catechism, Right? Teach them to, that there are other books they can read. Um, there are many solid little children's Bibles. There are all kinds of good storybooks. Get them reading something daily, some kind of a daily portion, and follow up with them about it. Say, what did, you, what did you learn today? Maybe tell them what you're reading in the Bible, right? Show them this is something we do. We read the Word of God. We meditate and we pray every day. Lastly, remind them that in many ways, life is fleeting. might be very, very <laughs> hardcore, um, but talk to your children about death. You know, the Puritans did that. In some sense, you read the New England Primer, and you're like, oh my gosh, this, this is like such a hardcore book. It's talking about little graves in a burying place, and you're like, whoa, Metallica should have covered that one, right, or something. But um, explain to them, explain to them their state and that life is not granted to them any more than they know. Talk to them about other little children that have been saved from a young age and say that God can do that for you too today. Teach them when they wake up. Try to teach them a routine. Uh, don't let them, you know, just wake up and eat cereal and watch a show or something like that. Maybe get them in a routine. Have them wake up. Teach them to pray. Teach them a prayer that they can, they can pray, maybe something memorable. Maybe a little something to read, and then after that, to start their day, watch their show, get them in that habit from a young, young age. It's not only their duty in terms of secret worship, it's also an excellent way to lay a foundation for them as much as you can for later on in life. Well, let's go ahead and end here for today. We'll begin with family worship next week. Um, but any questions? Or thoughts before we're done? Any questions? All right, you guys are just...